Colossians chapter 3, verse 22 to chapter 4, verse 1. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything, and do it not only when their eye is on you to curry their favour, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs, and there is no favouritism. Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair, because you know that you also have a master in heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Father, we give you thanks for your goodness to us. We give you thanks for the way you speak to us. We give you thanks for your word, for the gift of your spirit. And now I pray you'd speak into all our hearts through these words, through my words, and by your spirit. Amen. Work. I wonder what your relationship with work is or has been over the years of your life to this point. Work doesn't just mean stuff you're paid to do. Work is whatever we do with our, with our hands, with our minds, whether it's creative or, or, or serving someone else. It might be a hobby. It might be a chore. It might well be paid work. And whatever, do it all, Paul says, for God. It might be obvious. It might be hidden. It might be a big thing. It might be a really small thing that no one ever notices. Do it all for God. Even slaves, Paul says, even masters, do it all for God. Work is good. In Genesis chapter 2, God creates Adam and he puts him in the garden to tend and keep it. We're not meant to be sitting around idly all day. We were made to work, to do things. But work is broken in Genesis chapter 3 because of our sin. Mark read out that verse from Genesis chapter 3. By the sweat of your brow you will work. You'll be condemned to frustration. Work is difficult. It is broken because we are broken. Our relationship with work is broken. The way we redeem it is we do it for God. I had uh, dinner with someone on Monday and uh, we were talking about this making good work. And uh, he said his mum has this little phrase that I'd love to share with you, which is audience of one. And when she was bringing him up, she would say, you're not doing this for me, she'd said. You're not doing this for your friends. Your audience is one, God. You do it for him. Whatever you do, the audience is one. Now, that's easy to see that it's an audience of one, for example, when I'm writing computer software, because literally no one else understands what I'm doing. (laughs) And I'm sitting there in my desk on my computer, tapping away on the keyboard. Audience of one. It's much harder when you're doing something in front of other people or with other people to see that actually your audience is one. It is God. We're not doing it to please other people. Ultimately, we're doing it for God. We serve other people, but our audience is one. It is God. So we do the best we can. For people like me, it's not an encouragement or an excuse for perfectionism. It's not trying to earn favor with God. It's not that God needs anything from us. It is gratitude. It is love. 
returning to God all that he has given us in service because our audience is one. There's a wonderful line. I don't know if he actually said it in Chariots of Fire, Eric Little. When I run, I feel his pleasure. When I'm writing code and I make it beautiful and unnecessarily simple or whatever it is, I feel his pleasure. It's one of the reasons why I loved maths when I was at school. I loved the beauty of it. You might not think of maths as Janet's smiling because she knows if you love maths, you'll know it's beautiful. Some of you might look at it and go, it's incomprehensible. The audience for me when I was doing maths, well, I guess partly my maths teacher, it was an audience of one. I did it, God, it was, I felt God's pleasure. Whatever we do, we do it for God. Now, after the service, we have our prayer ministry team here out of the front. And I'd love it if some of you would make use of that. Now, it may be that you find work hard, whether that's paid work or unpaid work, whatever it is that you're doing. You might find it hard. You might have some challenging colleagues. Your circumstances might be difficult. Come and have someone pray with you. You might be retired, recently or not, and have lost your sense of purpose or identity. And you're not sure what what your purpose is now, what you're doing, what God has called you to do, what your work is post-retirement. Come and have someone pray with you. It might be that you want to work, but you can't find any work. Come and have someone pray with you. It might be that you do work, but you wish you had other work. You perhaps, the word I had when I was thinking about this is, perhaps you feel trapped in what you're doing. Come and have someone pray with you. It may be that you love what you're doing and you want to say thank you to God. Come and have someone pray with you. Or anything else. If you want God to help you in the way that you, your attitude to work, in the work that you do or don't do, whatever it may be, come and have prayer. Pray with someone, please. Because, friends, we were put here to work, to do things whether paid or unpaid, hobbies, chores, obvious, hidden, big or small, we were put here to work. And we were put here to do it for the audience of one. We were put here to work for God. So friends, if you want, to pr- if you want help with your work, please come and have someone pray with you. Amen.